Keeping it real. On cliffcentral.com. On radio. On radio. More of the good stuff. Hello. Am I up? Yes, I am. It's three minutes past 12. It's Wednesday, or as I like to call it, Womanla Day. I'm Pume Mashekho, and you're tuned into Womanla. Um, so my head is all over the place. I've been traveling over the past couple of days, but I'm so excited for today's show. It is um, one of those uncomfortable conversations, and I'm hoping to have a really great conversation. I've got a phenomenal lady in the studio with me. Um, she's a divorce attorney, Beverly Clark. Thank you very much for for coming and chatting with me today. And <laughs> I know radio can be a little bit daunting, but believe me, it's far less than TV. And this is unradio, so we're not just out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, Pumi. We're talking about old divorce. I think divorce is one of those things that Every girl's worst nightmare. I know about the guys, but I know that it's every girl's worst nightmare. No one walks down the aisle hoping that it'll all end in divorce. And it's emotional, very emotional. And it's as a woman, it's one of the things that when we think about it, when you're in it, when you're going through it, it's very emotional. I know from personal experience that it's it's quite a roller coaster. You know, you have up days, you have down days. And... The toughest thing about it is making decisions throughout all of that. You have to make lots of really hard decisions. Beverly, I'm going to start most basic, you know, getting a divorce attorney. Mm. What are the basic things that, that every girl should be thinking about when they're meeting attorneys, when they're asking questions? What are the things you should be thinking about when you're thinking about getting a divorce or when you've already made up your mind that you're getting a divorce when you're looking for an attorney? The the most important thing by far is that you make sure that you contact a specialist family lawyer. Don't go to a general practitioner. Divorce and family law are very, very specialized areas of the law. They change all the time and actually they require um, a special personality, I think. Uh, <laughs> which, in the, which means in what? I thought all lawyers had one personality shock. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that is the reputation. We would like to think we're different. Um, what you really don't want in a divorce lawyer is a shock. And that is only going to cost, end up costing you money. What you want is somebody who looks at this as a life transition that they're going to help you through. And that they're going to partner with you. They are going to um, ask you to make certain decisions, but in consultation with them. Um, they're not going to just take over your life and go and stomp all over you and your family and your and your husband. Um, and that so that they will work with you actively to achieve a solution, a resolution. You don't want to destroy your family. You want to restructure your family. Divorce is a very normal social process, something like 60% of marriages in South Africa end in divorce. So, you know, certainly one is not unusual. One shouldn't be stigmatized. Uh, One's children shouldn't be stigmatized. And you want an attorney who sees you as a whole person. They don't just see you as a file or a statistic or a, a legal matter on their desks. They work with you as um, as a person and as a whole person, and they recognize that law is basically a helping profession. Mm. And I think all those 
qualities are important in um, divorce lawyers as opposed to other lawyers. Also, obviously, they have to be very cost sensitive. It's um, it's an incredibly difficult and thing. expensive process. It I is mean. so expensive for the average person. In fact, it's so expensive. Sometimes you actually think of not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> actually, Literally. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, speaking of the cost, because it can be so expensive when, when you first looking at, at the costs, looking at what's coming ahead and, and because a lot of things are changing in your family as well. There's also a lot of things on the internet about DIY divorces. Mm. What if you if you really cannot afford a lawyer? Is a DIY DIY divorce a good idea? Pumi, I've seen so many tragic results of DIY divorces. So I actually think it should be don't DIY your <laughs> divorce because. Um, like most DIY projects. Yeah. You know, it's if you make a mistake or you agree to something without understanding what you're agreeing to, it has permanent consequences. And usually those consequences are not uh, remediable at a later stage. Once there's a court order and it's done and dusted, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so sometimes if you just see an attorney once, um, for some comprehensive advice about what you should and shouldn't agree to. Um, that can be good enough. The actual technical process of getting the divorce through the courts is not easy. So DIY is, it's a difficult task. It's a, it's, um, it is just a very technical thing. I mean, I wouldn't know, um, you know, how to conduct brain surgery or I wouldn't know how to run that funny board you've got in front of you here in the radio studio. And so likewise, it's a year in and I'm still learning how to make it. (laughs) And so you wouldn't know how to process documents through the courts and the sheriff's offices and to get the right returns of services and notice of set down. It's a very um, technically Mm. complex process. So speaking of the comprehensive advice, what should you be asking if you're if like Gary said this morning, if you're waking up next to this guy and you're kind of going, oh, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> right. What what are the, the, the most important top five questions that you should be asking yourself and that you should be asking a lawyer when beginning the process of getting divorced? I like that face. <laughs> Is that a difficult As they say, question? it's a good face for radio. <laughs> Is that a difficult yeah. question? <laughs> So before you go to the attorney, you need to prepare yourself and this will save you a lot of money. Okay. If you go to the attorney with the following information, number one, I'm married in or out of community of property. If I'm married out of community of property, here's a copy of my antinuptial contract. Here is a copy of my marriage certificate. Also, before you go, you draw up um, as far as you possibly can a balance sheet for yourself. These are all my assets. And these are all my liabilities, uh, which is my debts. And these are documents proving each one. And as far as I know, these are all the assets and liabilities of my spouse. Okay, you draw those up on two separate sheets. Unless you're married in community, then it's all one. Um, then as far as possible, you also look at your income and your expenditure. And you go to the attorney's consultation with your income and expenditure set out uh, already on a piece of paper by and large when you make the appointment certainly family lawyers will be able to send you a template of a monthly budget schedule so that you can fill that in 
before you go. That all saves you a huge amount of money. What you don't want to do is to go to the attorney and spend an hour and a half telling them the story that you should be telling your therapist. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Therapy is a lot cheaper because they do not have the overheads of attorney's firms. Okay. (laughs) And... So you should come to the lawyer having gotten over some of the, the anger and the hurt? You know what, if you can, but I mean a proper family lawyer is fully going to understand that this is probably the most difficult thing that you're ever going to do. So and I'm we not, have boxes of tissues on I, every boardroom table. I loved that. <laughs> I, I remember coming to your office and, and going, there's a box of tissue here. Wow. Yeah. And this is after having psyched myself up to say, I'm not going to cry about this. I'm not going to. But to arrive and find a box of tissues, I just was like, oh my God, I'm at the right place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we know, and I can tell you those tissues are well used. Okay. Men and women, almost every single one of them ends up in tears in their first session. Um, it is so emotional and it's such a huge thing to be doing. You never, as you said earlier, you never expected yourself to end up in the divorce lawyer's office. Um, you then realize that actually you're sitting here with a warm, sympathetic, caring person. Of course, you want to then just get it all off your chest and tell them the whole story. But hopefully they will guide you to say, look, just tell me briefly what was the cause of the breakdown of the marriage. So people will come to me sometimes for me with files of um, call records and emails and SMSs and God knows what else that they've got to prove that the wife or the husband is having an affair. It really makes does that matter? Doesn't really matter. No, uh, not all the evidence doesn't matter. You know, um, you can say, well, it seems that you know he or she is having an affair, and so I can't live with that, and he's lying to me, and. Um, for me, the marriage is over. Or you can say, I'm really not sure if the marriage is over, but I need to know what my options are. So on your question, sorry, just to finish on the other top five things, um, is to to say to the attorney, my desired outcome. So you tell the story briefly, what am I doing there? Then you say, um, these are my assets and liabilities. These are his assets and liabilities. These, uh, This is my income. This is my expenditure. Therefore, this is my shortfall. This is how we run our lives day-to-day, financially. Um, these are the issues around our children, if they're going to be issues. You know, the attorney wants to know who uh, participates in the parenting, who are the children most closely bonded to, who's the children's primary caregiver. Are there going to be issues around parenting? Very often they aren't, you know, and one hopes that they aren't. Um, and then you say to the attorney, my desired outcome, my wish list is this. Please can you then give me some advice as to what my options are and what are the different courses of action I could take. And uh, I'm sure we'll get on to that, but the reason for that is that there are different ways to get divorced and they have different cost and uh, emotional implications. So if your desired outcome is to burn the house, burn the car, yeah. burn him, yeah. <laughs> if your desired outcome is to burn everything to the ground and let's start afresh. Um, does that, does it, you know, so why, why is the question of what happened so important if the evidence doesn't matter? It's important because it often informs the way you go forward and the attorney then gets to understand where you're coming from so that sometimes you will say something and they can unpack that and they can say, you know what, let's just look at how that really is going to help you. 
um, I understand that you want to burn all the stuff. So if Insta did have clients where actually the husband took the entire contents of the house out onto the lawn, poured petrol all over it and burnt it in the middle of the night. No. Okay. <laughs> I have neighbors like that. Yeah. I mean, I had another one where the, while the wife was out at work, the husband had a builder come into the house and build a wall down the middle. And down the middle of the house, he said, that's your side, this is my side. <laughs> and that's, right. that's how we're going to go. Right. But, um, <clears throat> I've forgotten your question. Yeah. But if that's, you, you know, if, if that's what you want. Okay. So why are you saying to me, why do we need to know? Yes. Okay. So we need to know briefly the causes of the breakdown. By and large, a breakdown of a marriage is not caused by just one party and our law generally looks at it as a no-fault situation, okay? And so the fact that the one party was um, more annoying or more wicked or more bickery or more whatever than the other is not going to have any consequences in the divorce. However, if one party is very much more at fault than the other, um, then it can have consequences for maintenance of the um, of the dependent spouse, Okay, so that if the divorce was largely caused by either the serial adultery of the other or the um, ongoing abuse by the other party um, or by the other party just getting and getting up and walking out with no reason, whatever, if there are serious issues of fault, um, it it can be relevant. Uh, The evidence then can be relevant to the to the issue of maintenance for a spouse. Mm-hmm. Not maintenance for the children and not, you know, not the division of the joint estate, whatever, but the, um, uh, but, but the spouse's maintenance. The only other thing is that in certain instances, in certain rare instances, one can claim that the other party must forfeit their right to the patrimonial benefits of the, of the marriage. If you are married in community or you're married by way of accrual. Um, but you. What does that mean, patrimonial? Means the division of the property. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, the assets. Mm. Um, so, which is, you know, as opposed to maintenance issues. Okay. Um, so there again, fault can be relevant only in, in rare cases to say, you know what, you walked into this marriage, you had no intention, um, of uh, abiding by your by your marital vows, you have had sixteen affairs in the last five years, and I've made all the money, and I don't think it would be just if you were to share in that. And I want the court to order that you must forfeit it, or you must forfeit a percentage of your what you would otherwise have got. So for those reasons, a brief, um, uh, uh, you know, setting out briefly to the attorney what the causes were for the breakdown gives them an idea as to whether they need to explore that further with you or not, mm. or whether it was just one of those unfortunate cases where for whatever multitude of reasons the marriage failed. And just talking about the various outcomes and the, the related costs thereof, do you want to just mm. share a little bit mm. about that? So... <clears throat> um, it is very rare that a divorce ends up actually going to trial. Okay. Except on TV. Except on TV. Okay. Exactly. Or except if you have one of those shark lawyers we were talking about. Okay. Mm. Or obviously if you have a completely intransigent partner who simply will not settle or is uh, bent on destroying you or bent on having his or her day in court or whatever. But 
Um, I don't know what the statistics are, but definitely over 99% of divorces do not go to trial. And um, if you have a good attorney, look, trials are very lucrative for attorneys. And um, all those so, days in court without, exactly, a, without exactly. a set time when you're going exactly. to actually it's a day after day after day. I mean, it is hugely, hugely expensive to go to trial. So there are attorneys who have very high rates um, of, of divorces going to trial. I don't think that that is anything to be proud of. What we are very proud of is that almost none of our matters go to trial. And uh, and we, as you can imagine, do hundreds and hundreds of divorces in my firm. So um, if you have a good attorney, they're going to help you to settle before that. There are ways to do that. Either you will each um, have your own attorney and those attorneys will assist you to negotiate and uh, to reach some sort of a settlement. Or you will go to divorce mediation. Now, a divorce mediator is a specially trained person who is there as a neutral third party to just broker a fair agreement between you. Okay, it's a pro- problem-solving process. It's a safe, um, safe process, and uh, by and large, if people have have little children or if they are prepared to if they if they know they have to reach an agreement and there's no um, abuse in other words a, a completely um, unfair power dynamic in the relationship then divorce mediation is a fantastic idea and that one person through a series of meetings with you will assist you to reach agreement on all issues okay and you both buy into that process so you feel you're involved you don't don't feel someone's imposing anything on you you don't have this um, series of acrimonious letters passing between the attorneys. It's just the two of you with the mediator. And you can have a divorce, I mean, your own attorney who you phone or email in between sessions and say, look, this is what he's offered. What do you think? You know, can I come and bounce it off you? But nevertheless, you're going through the mediation process. That is very much quicker and cheaper than going through the litigation process. That's where one party issues uh, summons, the other one defends it, there's a whole series of pleadings, and then there's all the financial disclosure that has to be made, then there's expert evidence, uh, expert assessments, they're looking there at hundreds of thousands of rand uh, for that. It's much longer, it is very much more um, emotionally draining, uh, it's an arduous, arduous process, and um, very much longer and very much more expensive. Than mediation. The one other option, which is very, very new in South Africa, and there are very few of us who are trained uh, to do this, is collaborative divorce. Now, what happens in collaborative divorce is that um, both parties appoint collaboratively trained divorce attorneys to represent them, and so it is. It is. A process whereby those two attorneys, whilst they are very much holding your hand, supporting you, uh, fighting, uh, fighting your side, you know, standing solidly in your corner, they know that the outcome has to be to settle. So the agreement that all the parties sign before they start the collaborative process is if I undertake that if this process does not um, reach resolution, my attorney will resign and will not represent me in court so that you will then sure. know you have wasted all that time and money because your attorney will then step away, walk away, and you'll have to start from scratch with the litigated process. So there's a huge incentive there to settle. And during the collaborative process, um, <clears throat> there is uh, there are two other 
professionals involved in the collaborative team. One is what's called a divorce coach. They are there to hold the party's hands and contain the emotions and guide the um, the inevitably emotional issues that arise. And the other is the financial neutral expert, and that person looks at all the assets and liabilities, income and expenditure, looks at possible scenarios, um, assists in that way. And then um, sometimes the two collaborative attorneys will also appoint, appoint jointly a child specialist who will look at the um, interests of the children coming out of the process so so that um, you feel supported, not like in mediation where you might feel very alone. You feel supported, uh, you feel that a thorough process has been um, undertaken and there's been proper disclosure, but you know that the outcome will be an agreement and not a trial. So that is a very grown-up <laughs> process. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It needs everybody to be grown up exactly. in the situation. Exactly. Because, because the emotional stuff, I mean, you probably will still get emotional. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of anger or whatever mm. other feelings mm. are involved. But you have to, to get over yourself and be a grown-up. And I just want to talk a little bit about children mm. in, in that process. A lot of women... I mean, our society still sees the mother as the, the caretaker of children. And therefore, a lot of women always end up with the children. Um, and just as I was reading through all sorts of blogs and, and sites, and one of the things that comes up all the time is really how the situation settling around how the children are A, maintained and B, raised at the end of it all becomes very contentious and how do how do you how can i then going into a divorce situation what would your advice be in terms of how to handle that so that it comes out as best an outcome as possible so the first thing would be how are you and your spouse going to tell the children about the divorce one of the most damaging things that can happen to children is if one or other parent tells them um, about the divorce and blames the other parent. Yeah. You know, that might make you feel good temporarily, but it certainly doesn't make your children feel good. Um, it confuses them. It often makes them feel guilty and it makes them feel terrified. They're very worried that they are going to like the, like their mommy is losing daddy. Maybe they're also going to lose daddy. Okay. So the experts would say to you, if at all possible, if you can force yourselves to do this, sit down and tell the children together. Mom and dad um, have decided that we're not going to live to it together anymore. And we both want you to know that we love you just as much as we ever have. And we will continue to do so. And you will continue to have a mom and a dad. And you're going to be lucky because actually you're going to have two homes, two happy, peaceful homes. And, you know, the children will have seen the fighting. They will have seen the tension. And you want to make them realize that actually this is going to be better than it was in the past and that they don't need to be afraid. So... That's the first thing, is how you tell the children. And if there are going to be difficulties around that or if the situation is so incredibly acrimonious that you can't see that happening, go and see a specialist social worker or psychologist who deals with children in divorce and ask them for some advice around what to, what to do and how to tell the children. Um, and as I say, if, it, if you can possibly persuade your, your spouse to be decent and do it nicely and promise ahead of time neither of us is going to blame the other 
in that session. Then, um, if the children need it, and I think most children do, make sure your children get some help, either through the counselor at school um, or through a um, private social worker or psychologist or at FAMSA. Um, let them have some counseling or for little children some play therapy just to work through the issues for themselves. I mean, it's a obviously is a massive transition and a massive loss for children. Um, the, uh, the third thing is that if at all possible, you should be um, entering into a parenting plan with your spouse. That parenting plan um, is mediated with a what they call a suitably qualified person. Okay, so that can be a family advocate, a psychologist, a social worker, uh, or a specialist family attorney, and they will help the two of you to agree on all aspects of your future parental rights and responsibilities. Um, looking at the um, who's going to care for the children on what day, who's going to take them to school, who's going to fetch them from school, um, what days are they going to stay with the one parent, what days are they going to stay with the other parent. Our system is very much geared towards joint parenting post-divorce um, to make sure that the children get the best out of both their parents and that the parents both step up to the plate and take responsibility for their children. Parenting is far more of a responsibility than a right. And for me, big red flags are raised when people come and thump their hands on the desk and talk about, I want 50-50. I want to make sure the children are with me 50% of the time. Well, is that best for the children or is that best for you? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about rights. It's not about getting um, you know equal and you've got to be equal in all things and we're going to count the days and the minutes. It's about what is best for your children. Um, so... Again, the parenting plan, going to an expert, having somebody tell you who is the correct expert to go to, to sort out our parenting plan. You then sign that parenting plan, and that gets annexed to your divorce settlement agreement, and it also becomes an order of court. Um, The parenting plan can also uh, cover the uh, issues around maintenance of the children. So, uh, yeah, so those are the issues, and the and the final thing is, um, you know, to to not cause damage to the children is also get some therapy or counseling for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully through that you will both understand the, uh, obviously you'll work through your own um, hurt and emotions and, and anger and loss, but you will also understand how you can make or break your children through this, through how you conduct your divorce. I'm going to let you catch your breath. but and, and when we come back, I really want us to talk about enforcing, you know, divorces are court orders and, and enforcing it. So it's all well and dandy, getting the right lawyer, getting the right plans in place and all of that kind of stuff. But not everybody sticks to it. I am the future of South Africa. On my shoulders, I carry the hopes and dreams of generations to come. I'm eager to learn, but even more eager to use my knowledge for good. I know that it's not where I come from, but where I'm going to that really matters. At Sibanya Gold, we believe our youth is worth its weight in gold, which is why we are so committed to developing, nurturing, and grooming our young people into future leaders. Sibanya Gold, we are one. That's my stuff. 
I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't resist that one. It's uh, Queen Bee, and she is talking about irreplaceable and how easy people are to replace. I think it's one of those songs that when it came out, every girl was kind of like looking at her man like, mm-hmm, yeah. I could replace you. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, absolutely couldn't uh, not play that one. Today we're talking about divorce. We're talking about how to keep a cool head, how to pick a lawyer, and what you should be looking out for when you're getting divorced. I think one of the things that comes up all the time, especially when I was researching for the day, is how women come out on the other side of divorces with the short end of the stick. They get the kids, they don't get the money, they don't get and and they come out with the short end of the stick. And some of the of more and more as I was reading up, a lot of the things that were coming up really is about making clear-headed decisions because you're emotional, you're angry. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of moving parts. And so clear-headed decisions don't get made all the time. In South Africa in particular, one of the things about divorces is always about after the divorce. So once you've made all the decisions, once you've made all the parenting plans, once all the decisions around maintenance and who gets what, and the dust has settled, one of the most difficult things is enforcing those those rules. Beverly, you talking about, and I've got Beverly Clark in the studio with me, a divorce attorney, family family law, right? Is that what it's called? And what's the second one? Collaborative? Collaborative divorce and mediation. Collaborative divorce and mediation. Very forward thinking. And if you want to know more or how to get hold of Beverly, um, the website is Clark's Attorneys. Dot co dot za c l a r k s attorneys dot co dot za and they're based right here in Johannesburg. So Beverly, talk to me about that court order. So now you the dust has settled. You yeah. fought it all out. What what um snort and trana all done, yeah. and you've got your court settlement, mm. and it's got all these wonderful things that you fought out, enforcing the decisions that have been made. How easy or difficult is that? Okay, unfortunately, if you have difficulties with enforcement, it inevitably means more cost because you have to then pay more money to go and um, implement your enforcement procedures. Um, If we talk briefly firstly about um, issues around residence and contact of children, um, what you cannot do is force somebody to or compel somebody to exercise contact. Okay, so what you can do is um, enforce that they stick to the um, contact arrangements by bringing the children back at the right time, etc. But if they simply don't bother to pitch uh, and you say, this is harming my children, I want the father to have contact, you you can't force somebody to have contact. So that's one thing you can't enforce. Um, it is it is a, a right which they can choose to exercise or not. The um, issues around maintenance, if somebody doesn't pay maintenance, it is theoretically fairly easy to take your um, divorce order to the maintenance court or back to the high court and get what's called a writ or a warrant of execution. And the uh, sheriff is then takes that to the non-paying um, ex-spouse and attaches certain of their belongings. So the sheriff would say, look, this thing says there's an amount here of 14,642 rand owing. Uh, do you want to pay me right now? If the party says, no, I don't have the money, 
then the sheriff will wander around the house and start, you know, attaching the fridge and the sofa or the motor car or whatever. Um, but then you still have to go through the process of that stuff being removed and sold on auction. It's not an easy task. Mm-hmm. So you're hoping that when you get the writ, the person's going to want to pay up. The maintenance court um, can issue certain other um, attachment orders, such as a, an emoluments attachment order. That is then served on the employer. Um, and the money is deducted directly from their salary. Um, in certain circumstances, the person can be found to be in contempt and can be jailed. Um, and all these things theoretically work well. And for some people, they really do work well, and the maintenance court is um, is very helpful. But unfortunately, we still have a number of courts around the country where the officials are not helpful. And they are rude and sometimes um, abrasive and even abusive of the members of the public who go there in need of assistance. So that's very unfortunate. Uh, but you must insist that somebody helps you. This is their job and they must help you. And it's law. It's, it's, the it's law. actually a court order actually Absolutely. means that you've Absolutely. got the might of the law behind you. Yeah. What about changing stuff that's in the will? So he doesn't show up he mm. only when he wants or he's not paying, da-da-da-da. And you mm. want to have... Some of those decisions changed mm. on that court order. How mm. easy is that? Um, okay, so if it's to do with children, whether it be um, uh, residence and contact issues or maintenance issues, those are always fluid. They never cast in stone, and they can be varied according to changes in circumstance and changes in the best interests of the children. So say you find out that the other part party is um, has developed a real drug problem or um, is um, hanging out with people who you know to be dangerous and I'm not talking about you know just people you don't like uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know the best interests of children are paramount in all issues concerning the children the children's own views and wishes are also um, of considerable importance and they have to have to be asked um, you can then always go back to court and uh, apply for a variation of um, of existing terms based on what is in the best interest of the children. What you can't vary is the um, what I call the proprietary consequences. In other words, um, who got what in terms of, of the assets. That is cast in stone when there's a divorce order, unless in certain circumstances somebody, for instance, fraudulently misrepresented what their assets were. Um, then there was a fraud on the court and then you can bring an application to change. But uh, by and large, you should consider that those those things are cast in stone. Whoever got whatever part, part of the assets, whatever that's done and dusted, okay, can't <laughs> go back on that. But um, if, uh, if you have maintenance that was worked out on what you're both earning at the time of the divorce and then one of you loses your job, um, then the, the maintenance can be varied. Or, or if there are certain other significant changes in circumstance, maybe one of your children suddenly needs to go to a remedial school. Um, those kind of things. You can then go to court and apply, go to the maintenance court and apply for a variation. I want to get more maintenance from the other one or I want to pay less maintenance because I've lost my job. But um, until you actually go to the court and vary it, the existing order stands. You can't just, for instance, decide... Um, which we often have, you know, oh, my business is not going so well. I'm just not going to pay her for a few months. Um, 
and uh, and then yeah, because the and, kids aren't going to eat for a few months. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> just keep their mouths closed. Um, so, uh, but many people do. They just don't go and change that. They don't go to court and and change the order or make application or you know. Uh, give proper disclosure of what's going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just expect usually the mother to just make do, find the money, borrow from friends, relatives, steal, I don't know what. But mm-hmm. um, it's about what suits them, you know, and that's not okay. There again, you have the mother. The mother has to go to court. Uh, it's a huge mission. Inconvenience. It's a huge inconvenience. It's days of your time. There are queues. Um, but... It really is worth your while doing it. Biggest mistakes you can make when starting divorce proceedings. What are some of the the big kind of just, this is a big mistake, bad idea, don't do it. Um, saying I've had enough and um, I'm going, I can't take it anymore, and walking out of the house. Okay. Um, particularly. If you are the primary caregiver of the children and you leave the children behind, um, because you might say, you know what, I'm just, I just need a little bit a break. I'm, I'm coming back in three days or 10 days or a week or six, whatever. And nine times out of 10, by the time you come back, they'll say, sorry, babe, you left the children with me. I'm now the primary caregiver. You can't have them back. Mm-hmm. Okay. So no matter how bad things are, don't throw your hands up in the air and just walk out of the house. Um, also, if you are the dependent spouse and or the primary caregiver of the children, um, again, be careful not to move out of the house if you can possibly help it. You may have a husband who says, well, I'm not going anywhere. You don't like it, yeah? You know, um, I don't know what you're going to do. But uh, <clears throat> if you can possibly help it, Stay in the house until certain other arrangements have been made. Okay. One of the other uh, problems is separating before you reach any agreement around contact with the children because uh, then sometimes you find that the other spouse tries to use the children as a weapon, withhold contact in order to punish you, whatever. So um, if one of you is going to leave, you should say, look, I really do want to leave. I want to give you your space, but let's just make arrangements around what contact I'm going to be having with the the children after we've separated. That's not only a good idea for the two parents, but it is the only fair thing to do for the children. So uh, so that's important. Um, the other thing is if your spouse suddenly stops supporting you in the same way they have supported you until then. So they suddenly say, well, if that's how you want it, I'm going to cut up your credit card or take your Petro card or punish you in some I'm other not financial for the way. Car. Exactly. And I mean, it happens all the time. Um, <clears throat> don't, don't just leave it. If you go to court six months later and you say he hasn't paid me any maintenance, the court will say, well, obviously you're okay. We're, what you have know, you been doing for yeah. six months? Yeah. So yeah. obviously you didn't really need it. So, you need to then implement procedures immediately, either by bringing what's called a Rule 43 application in the High Court as part of your divorce proceedings, which is an application for interim maintenance or interim contact pending pending the divorce, um, or you can just take yourself by yourself off to the maintenance court uh, and get a maintenance order. The idea of the Rule 43 pro- procedure, though, is that it is supposed to be a quick and robust procedure where the court will make some sort of an order um, to maintain the status quo 
pending the divorce. Mm-hmm. So if they whipped away your credit cards, they will tell them to give them back uh, or to start paying you a monthly amount. If the situation was so intolerable at home that you simply had to move out, they will order that the spouse pays your rent for somewhere else. But the quicker you do that, the better. Mm. And during the divorce, mm. things that one shouldn't do, things one should never do during the the process of the divorce. Okay. One should never um, use the children as a weapon. Okay, don't ever, ever think, I'm, I know really what his sore spot is. I'm going to get more money out of him by stopping him seeing the children. Uh, that is, I mean, I just think it's criminal. Or stopping his mother. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Are you allowed a, to do that? Unless she's a nasty witch. <laughs> but, um, so, I mean, I just think that is criminal and unforgivable to, to draw your children into the process like that. Um, so force yourself, okay, not to do that. Second thing, don't send interminable abusive emails or SMSs your spouse they will come back to bite you no drunk dialing you have no you have no idea Pumi how (laughs) often um, how often people think that if they send the most poisonous vituperative um, email to the other spouse that it'll show the court just what a horrible person the other spouse is (laughs) okay that they forced me to send this awful thing. And people do it all the time. And then what happens is during the process, we have a process of what's called discovery, where all relevant documents have to be disclosed to the other party and to the judge. And lo and behold, there are all your nasty little swearing emails and SMSs. Okay. So sure. don't do okay, that. Phone, so you know, phone email your friend. Phone a friend. Email your attorney. Say, I want to actually cut his head off. Okay, I can't take this anymore, but I'm, I'm holding back. I'm not writing it to him. Or write the whole thing to make yourself feel better and then save it in your own uh, little divorce file so that you know how you felt on that day and maybe it's a contemporaneous note of what happened on that day that made you feel like that. But don't send it to the other party. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is if you are the financially more powerful partner, um, think about doing the right thing. Sure. You know, okay, that's, a, live, that's a big thing. Yeah. Do live, the right thing. Live to your highest self, not your basest, um, most angry, appalling self. Think, for instance, about maintenance. My advice to the financially powerful partner is when we talk about maintenance for your children, how much can you possibly afford not how much can I get away? How little can I get away with paying? People come to me this out. I just want to pay as little maintenance as possible. I say, you know, that is uh, still that your is children. Revolting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are your children. Um, so as much as you shouldn't use children as a weapon, you also shouldn't use money as a, uh, as a weapon and a punishment, um, and withholding money to punish the other spouse. The divorce court is not there to punish people for not making the marriage work. And the divorce court won't be used like that. And all you're going to do is waste your own money on extra legal costs. The more you fight, the more you pay. Attorneys charge by the hour. They charge for their time. The more time you make them spend on your case instead of somebody else's, the more money it's going to cost you at the end of the day. You can contain and manage the process by just 
trying to be as calm as possible, uh, uh, answering the questions the attorney asks you, phone a friend, go to see your therapist, etc. So that is the, the other mistake you can make during the divorce process is sending the attorney non-stop emails. And <laughs> I can't tell you, I have clients, Pumi, who send me, I had one last week, in fact, who sent me 70 emails in a week. Okay. <laughs> now, to write 70 emails. 70 emails. And then I must respond to them. And then they're surprised when they get the bill. They didn't have to send me those. Nobody has to send their divorce attorney 70 emails in a week. It's just not necessary. Um, and, uh, yeah, your, so those are the top, top mistakes you can make. 70 emails is a little bit excessive. <laughs> you think? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But so, you know, the, those, I, I love that about living to your highest self because I think one of the things that, in my experience at least, it, it's such a big transition and there's so many things happening. There's so many things that you blame yourself for. There's so many things and it's easy. Hey? It's easier to blame the other person rather than yourself and be angry. Mm. Um, and so, so some of those things that, that come up all the time, the angry, drunk calling, drunk dialing, the, mm. the SMSs, all of that kind of stuff really is, is about your experience of the, of everything. Um, but speaking of cost, and we speak a lot about cost, and I know that it's like a doctor. Everybody's got their own, um, their different rates. But speaking of the costs, in a, and time, speaking of costs and time, in the most perfect, most ideal situation, what are we looking at in terms of from the moment you decide this is done and walking into an attorney's office till you have your court order? of a divorce decree on the other side. What kind of time frames are we looking at? Okay. So if it is a simple, unopposed divorce with a settlement agreement that is pretty much agreed, okay, nothing complex, um, and we draft the settlement agreement for you, we draft the pleadings, we take the matter through the courts, we brief counsel, we instruct sheriffs, um, we do all the serving and filing for you. We take you to court on the day to go and get the divorce, stand up, give evidence, etc., etc. You're probably looking at about 25,000 rand. Um, thereafter, the more, if there, if there's any disagreement around how you're going to settle, and we have to start writing letters backwards and forwards, sitting and consulting with you, um, taking further instructions, then running that by the other side, maybe have se having settlement meetings, uh, scrutinizing documents, drafting schedules of assets and liabilities, sourcing all the, um, all the relevant evidence, issuing subpoenas to get the other party's bank statements because they won't give them to us. All that stuff is just charged by time. Um, in an average... Litigated divorce that maybe settles within a year, say. You are probably looking at in the region of 80 to 100,000 rand for each spouse in legal costs. Um, but in major cases with, when, the, when there's a great deal of money involved or there are exceptionally complex issues around the children, you are looking at hundreds of thousands of rand and even millions 
of rand for each spouse because then it becomes like a commercial like a commercial case mm. um, where there are huge valuations of companies or hidden mm. assets or where assets have been hidden away in a trust mm. or where one spouse who has lived an incredibly extravagant lifestyle and fl- flown around on a private jet suddenly says, I don't have any money. You were deluding yourself. What do you mean? I'm not rich. Mm. Well, you know, that is a very, very difficult and costly process to go and find those assets. And it requires forensic investigators, forensic um, accountants, it's hugely expensive, Pumi. You don't this want to go there. This is a real thing. Yeah. People live like this. Okay, so so that's about a year. So middle of the range kind of is about a year. But so the 25,000 Rand special, how long would that take? Two to three months Ooh. in a good way if you've got good attorneys yeah, who are organized. And if he's got an attorney and you haven't yet got an attorney, is it a good idea to get an attorney or could you be in the – could you use the one attorney and, and do your own stuff? No, I would almost never advise you to go and see your partner's um, attorney by yourself. You can um, make all sorts of concessions. You can be persuaded to do things that you don't understand. It is a very difficult situation. By and large, an ethical attorney should not encourage the other spouse to come and meet with them alone. Okay. If the attorney says to you, Come in and see me. You know, your husband's been to see me. Come in and see me. Let's talk. You should see big alarm bells. Okay. Um, you rather say, no, I'm going to get my own attorney and then um, we can all meet together or my attorney can contact you. Um, or you say to them, I'll think about it, but please send me an email telling me exactly what it is that you want to propose. So you don't go there without any knowledge or without any forethought you know because mm. uh, you can go in there and there are a lot of attorneys who are very ready to bully the disempowered spouse and just to get a great deal for their client maybe i shouldn't say a lot of attorneys i mean specialist family lawyers shouldn't be like that mm. but um there certainly are attorneys who will get you in their office will bully you persuade you and get you to give up all sorts of things that you shouldn't have given up if you had had proper legal advice. Speaking about empowering yourself with knowledge. So today's show, great podcast to send to all your friends, <laughs> <laughs> but empowering yourself with knowledge. Where does one go to get that knowledge? Is there a roster of who fam- who are family lawyers Who to, or do you just ask a f- me? You know, I always think, and I can tell you that like 95% of our business comes from word of mouth. So, there's a funny thing that, and I see it time and time again, people choose attorneys who are in some way similar to them. You've got to have a connection with your divorce lawyer. Um, you've got to trust them. You've got to be able to talk to them. So by and large, so that's why we think all our clients are nice because we're nice. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. So, I mean, we are really tough litigators when we have to be, but that is not our preferred mode. We will try and encourage people to, to be decent and, as I said, to do the right thing, okay, from both sides. And we'll try and work with the other attorney and not against them. But if we have to fight, you know, we're very good at doing that too. Um, but, um, <clears throat> Empowering yourself, I mean, I suppose you've got to, there is so much stuff now 
on the net. I must tell you that there's a lot of stuff. There's even a book that was published recently by a South African attorney on um, uh, do it on your divorce or do it yourself divorce or things you should know divorce or something. And there are fundamentally wrong. There is fundamentally wrong um, legal advice in that book. And it was published and the publishers didn't know and whatever. And I've seen it quoted in Fair Lady and whatever. And it's wrong. So uh, I can only tell you that you always are better off finding the money to go for at least one consultation with an attorney. Um, otherwise, specialist family attorney. Specialist family lawyer. Otherwise, contact FAMSA in your area. That's F-A-M-S-A. Um, they are, they're also. We love very, FAMSA. We've spoken to FAMSA. FAMSA a lot. is very <laughs> helpful. Um, and, and it's an NGO, so you will pay something, but not, not as much as going to see an And they attorney. also have mediators. They will FAMSA. give you mediation. Yeah. And the difference with their mediation, they will, you will generally get very good mediation, but you don't get to choose. Mm. Okay. So you are just allocated to mediators and there might be people you just cannot bear or who cannot bear you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which can happen. Which can happen. <laughs> but, and just one last thing. We've got a minute to go and I can see outside the window here that the, the guys are here for the soccer show. They're all here already. Um, coming up next. And one of the most amazing things that I heard, um, from your partner, in fact, is about lawyers are creatures of instruction. So y- you must never feel pressured by your lawyer to make a decision. Mm. In fact, the decisions come from you. Yes. They're not going to make the decisions for you. Yeah. So it's important to get a clear head, think it through, sleep over it if you must. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. quick decisions don't necessarily mean you're getting a good deal. Absolutely. It, you know, it is your divorce. It is your life. Ask your attorney to empower you with knowledge, but understand that the the one who has to live with this is you. So you are the one who must make the decision and then give the instruction. You should be able to give an informed instruction because your attorney has helped you through that and your attorney has given you advice. But the instruction comes from you, the client. Beverly, thank you so much. This has been an incredibly uh, informative conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you and so you're much, like Kumi. A, you're an unradio natural. <laughs> <laughs> And I can your, change your, um, your website address again? It's www.clarksattorneys.co.za. Uh, Based in Johannesburg, Beverly Clark, a specialist family, family lawyer. Thank you very much for chatting with us. And I'm out of here, but I'm back here again next week, Wednesday, as always, 12 o'clock on Womandla. Thank you for sharing your day with us. Cliffcentral.com.